This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. You and I live in very unique times. While there has been periods and seasons of great revival, we know that the world in which we live now is becoming more secular and is drifting further and further away from the Lord. The prophets foretold this, people that God raised up and they foretold this drawing away, this, this moving away. Even Jesus said that in the last days that people would fall away and they would, would leave their faith and they would pursue other things. The siren call of the secular world is telling people that faith is no longer important. I thought about this recently when I thought about growing up as a boy in my father's church. In my, in my childhood days, most everybody went to church. Even people that didn't love God, even people that did not acknowledge God, they still went to church. In fact, if you didn't go to church, you got to work on Monday, even your sinner friends wanted to know where you were. And, and uh, most people that came to church know, knew the stories of the Bible. You could say on any given Sunday, now you all know the story of Noah, and people would nod their heads because they, even if they didn't have a relationship with Jesus, they knew the stories of the Bible. There was a, there was a religious underpinning, a religious foundation, an a, a, a undercurrent that, that bolstered society morally and ethically and spiritually. That's not true anymore. In fact, you could say this morning, I could say, how many of you know the story of Noah? There'd be people that could not raise their hand. They don't know the stories in the Bible. We have moved away from that. We, and I'm not here on any political stump to say this, but we as a nation have moved away from prayer and Bible reading and acknowledgement of God, and we, we struggle with In fact, I just read this huge article at the Super Bowl tonight. You're going to see this, uh, these advertisements. There will be two of them called Jesus Gets Us. And this, and it's an attempt to bring the message of Jesus to a global audience. And yet, the critics now are claiming that religion's trying to take over sports, and and there's a pushback that that Fox should not have accepted these advertisements because they're discriminatory against certain elements of society. It's a it's it's a secularization of the world that you and I now live in. I read this week about a state of theology survey sponsored by Legionnaire Ministries that surveyed 3,000 American citizens. And it follows the previous versions that they've done in 2014, 2016, 2018, and 2020. So there's, there's, uh, there's credibility in the study. 66% of Americans still believe that God is a perfect being and does not make mistakes. Although half of Americans say that God learns and adapts himself to the different circumstances that he finds in the world. Seven in ten Americans, 67% say God, that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 71% say that there is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 60% of adults for, for 60% of U.S. adults, religious beliefs are merely a matter of personal opinion, but not objective truth. That's an important statement. 
that people begin to accept that their faith and their belief is their own personal opinion and is not an objective truth. Well, if that is true, and I don't believe that it is, but if it is true, then where in the world would you find truth? Where would you find the truth that you could build your life on? How are we going to separate the influence of culture and society from the faith that we know to be true that transcends us from this world to the world to come? So we've been talking now, we're in the middle of a series here in February about what it means to experience God. And this, this desire to truly experience God, we want to elevate our pursuit of Him, our relationship with Him from more than just knowing Him, more than singing about Him, but to a deeper and more meaningful relationship with the Lord. Last week, if you were here, you heard me say it's the difference in knowing that ice cream exists and actually eating ice cream. We talked last week about experiencing God through His power and presence, His calling and purpose, and the community with other believers. And this morning, I want to suggest to you that another way that you can experience God in your life is to learn how to listen to Him. Learn how to listen to God. Because hearing God is not a technique that we learn, but a grace that we are given in our lives. Just this week, someone in our church wrote me a, an email asking for prayer about a personal matter. And in that email, they said these words. And with this, just to, to point out what I'm saying, she said, I'm listening and praying for the voice of God on this issue. You see, that's a person who's leaning in to say, God, my ears are open to hear your voice. Now, what does it mean? Well, I want to tell you right now, you're not going to hear probably the voice of Charlton Heston from the Ten Commandments movie, which, by the way, did you know that he was both the voice of God and the voice of Moses in that movie? And that's the voice that we often attribute to the voice of God. Moses, Moses, you're not likely to hear that kind of an audible voice, but you will if you learn how to listen, you can hear God speaking to you. I listened to another member of our church this week describing a moment in her life many years ago when she felt that God was literally with her, the presence of God completely overwhelming her, and she became so open to the Lord that God began to reveal to her a very personal word that she was to give to one of her siblings regarding their own children. Now many years later, she still recalls the emotion and the impact of that interaction that she had with the Lord. Now I want to make clear, I'm not suggesting that your experience will be like anybody else. And this isn't some mystical walk through uh, the, fairy, the, the fantasy land of audible voices. It's possible that you may hear God's voice. I don't think I've ever actually heard the voice of the Lord. But as I sat down recently, I was making a list and I came up with nine different ways that I believe I have heard God speak to me in the past. God speaks in a still, small voice. God speaks through mental impressions. God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks through the Bible. 
God speaks through music. Anybody ever had the Lord speak to you through a song? God speaks through preaching and teaching just like this. God speaks through godly friends or people that we trust. God speaks through the circumstances of life that we go through. And God speaks through nature. I walk in the neighborhoods here during the warmer seasons of the year and many times as I walk and the wind is blowing, it's like I hear God talking to me through the wind. I hear the, the Lord talking to me through the leaves of the trees or the, bird, the birds that chirp. There's something about that that gets my sensitivity in a place where I feel like I'm hearing God speak into my heart and into my life. Now, the important thing is it's not, it's not so important how God speaks to you. The important thing is how much are you listening? Now Jesus said in his teaching that the greatest commandment of all was that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our soul. But before we can do that, I'm telling you I think we have to learn how to listen. I've told you before and if, you're, if I didn't tell you before, on June the 13th of this year I was sitting right there right here on the edge of this stage, and I was praying in this quiet space. And it was like I heard the Lord tell me, stop talking. You're always talking, but you're not listening. And I, and I changed the way that I began to communicate with God over that summer and throughout these days. I've been changing the way. I'm trying to listen more, talk less. Because the talking doesn't necessarily make the conversation that more impactful. In fact, all the words that I would ever say, all the words that you would ever say won't change very many things. But if God speaks, it will change a lot of things. And if I do more listening than I do talking, I'm going to be a whole lot better off. And so will you. We need to learn how. Maybe it's the single most important thing that we can do. Did you notice in the passage Sandy read that Jesus said that people who belong to him possess an ability to recognize his voice. He said they hear my voice and they will not follow a stranger because they know me. Those are my sheep. Those that know my voice. Those that know how to hear me and have a readiness to follow me. So I want to assure everybody in this room Everybody, in every section of chairs, everybody watching online, God is, at fact, in fact, speaking to you today. God is speaking to you tomorrow on your job. God is speaking to you when you lay down tonight. God is speaking and you have to learn how to listen to His voice. I'm not going to take all nine of these that I, that I wrote down, but I'm just going to grab three of them really quickly. And I want to talk to you about the way that God talks and hopefully provide you some, some element of information that would help you to know how you can be better at listening to God. Here's the first one. God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us through the Bible. In fact, it is the primary way that God talks to you. You want to hear from God? Open up your Bible and start reading. If you read the Bible, God is speaking to you. The Bible is the holy word of God inspired by the Lord. Forty authors over a period of 1,500 years wrote the Bible because this is what God wanted you and I to have. And this is a book that is alive. 
And though books have been written and written, this book has survived through all the attempts of the agnostics and the God-haters to stop the Bible. The Bible is still the most popular and most frequently purchased book on the face of the earth. I saw a video the other day that had been smuggled out of China where somebody had brought Bibles into China and they literally were tearing off the pages and handing them and you thought you were at Walmart for a blue light special. Everybody wanted them and they were fighting for a page of the Bible. I looked around and I thought about how many Bibles do I have in my house? How many Bibles do I personally own? The Word of God, a primary way. And it's so important... That's why there's such an attack on the Bible. That's why you hear people arguing about whether the Bible is an error, whether the Bible has errors. Because the devil wants to stop the influence of the Word of God. That's why when we have people that give their heart to Christ, we encourage you to read five verses of the Bible every day, just five. But just keep putting the Word of God into your heart. Now the importance of this is that we live in an age where people increasingly measure truth experientially. What do I mean by that? Well, it goes like this. You got your truth, I got my truth. You believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe. And see, what what it does is it puts the, the, the credibility of that truth on me. We moved from the subculture of the 60s where we said, if it feels good, do it, to saying, if it feels true, believe it. And people literally believe stuff. You'd be surprised how many conversations I have with people who say, I want to ask you if this is true, and they'll tell me something that somebody told them that's supposed to be true, but it's not true. It's not true. And my point on that is that you have to build your life on something that is stable and sustains and lives. And the Bible is the way that God has chosen to speak to you and to communicate with you so that you can know how to hear the voice of the Lord. The Bible, reading the Bible is the easiest way for you to hear God's voice. And I I encourage you, and and I made a mistake, I meant to put this in your notes, but you need a reading plan for the Bible. Some of you are like me, you you have a a reading plan, and and I read the Bible through every year through a reading plan. So sometimes it's three, some of the reading plans are three chapters a day, some of them are more or less. There are reading plans where you read a Psalm, a Proverbs, and a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament. This year I'm reading the Bible chronologically and so you read the first 12 chapters of Genesis and then you jump all the way over to Job and you read all the book of Job and then you come back to Genesis and now I'm in Exodus. But what I'm saying is there needs to be a plan for you to read the Word of God. If you want to learn how to listen to God, if you want God to speak into your life, read the Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, start reading your Bible. And there's so many ways to do it. If you don't want to carry around a Bible, you know, a physical Bible, there's so many digital opportunities, free resources on your phone. We, in our house, we use UVerse, and it's, it's a free service. It has literally, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of translations. Find a, I tell people, find a translation that you're comfortable reading. 
You don't have to read the King James Version if you don't want to. It was written in 1611. It has a lot of English uh, language and, and uh, literation in it. And sometimes it can be a little difficult. But there are plenty of really good versions. I happen to use the New Living Translation, but I have a lot of friends who use the New American Standard Bible. They're very, very close alliterations, translations of the King James. Here's the one thing I always encourage people to understand is that you have to find a Bible that you can read and that you will read and that you can understand. Because literally, when you read the Bible, you want to do two things. Number one, you want to read with your head. So when you're looking at the words on the page, you literally are trying to figure out what it's saying. What is it saying? Because the words are, they have, they have value and they have meaning. And so when you read them, you're listening with your head so that you can understand exactly what the Bible says. But second of all, you're also listening with, you're reading with your heart. Because the question you have to ask is, what is this saying to me? So I know what it's saying on the page. I see the letters. I understand what those words mean. But what is it saying to me? So Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. What, what, what does that say? Well, it just tells us that if you trust in the Lord and you don't try to figure it out on your own and you're not trying to trust in your own power that God will direct your steps. You're reading with your head to understand the language, but you're reading with your heart to understand what God, in fact, is saying. This summer, we're going to be preaching a series in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I've been studying the last several weeks, days and weeks in, in 1 Corinthians. And when I first started, I, I held my Bible in my hand just like this, and I said, God, teach me everything I'm supposed to see and know in this book for our church. And now I've read 1 Corinthians all of my life, but I'm learning, Pastor Dustin, I'm learning things I didn't even know. You know why? Because God is speaking to me out of the book. So let me encourage you to read your Bible. Don't rush the experience. You know, sometimes I don't necessarily like the one-year Bible because you feel like you're on a treadmill. You got to get all that read. Read five verses. Read five verses every day. It'll make a difference in your life. Second of all, God not only speaks through His Word, but God speaks to us prophetically. Somebody say prophetically. The word prophetically means to speak in a way that correctly tells what is going to happen in the future. Now there's a cottage industry in our world with made up of fortune tellers and mystics and mediums and people who try to consult dead people. I'm not going to ask you if you have ever talked to one. But I will tell you that statistics tell us that one in five people in the U.S. have consulted a medium or a fortune teller in the last month. 20% of people are talking to mediums, fortune tellers, trying to figure out the future. And those among the one to five, the 20%, they talk to a, they consult a medium as much as five times in a month. Such is their, their struggle to understand. 41% of people 
believe, in America believed that these mystics had a divine power to tell the future and contact the dead. Here's what the Bible says about them. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. When you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Notice the last line. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. I think the Lord says, stop it. Why? I have, I've had this question to me before. What, what's wrong with me reading a horoscope? Or what's wrong with me, uh, you know, having my palm read or going to a tarot card reader? Okay, here, you ready for it? You're putting your trust in someone besides the Lord. You've put your faith and trust in somebody other than God. Why not just learn how to listen to God? Because God knows the future. The Bible said he knows our, our laying down and our getting up. He knows our future from, from beginning to end. God sees the whole picture. And God's not hiding the future from you. If we learn how to listen to God, he will direct our steps. When we trust the Lord, he directs our steps. And we don't have to seek other people to tell us what is going to happen. Too often we've been asking people to give us peace who have no power to give peace. And we're seeking somebody to, sometimes, sometimes, we seek these people out because we want to validate our own wishes. We want somebody to agree with us. We know it's wrong for us to do that. But we feel like if we could find somebody that we could pay a little bit of money and they would tell us it's okay for you to do that, that that validates it. What's wrong inside of you that you need that? Why would you chase after that which cannot give you peace? There is a God who knows the future. There is a God who cares about your steps. There is a God that cares about who you marry, what job you're going to have, what you're going to do with your life. There is a God that can tell you whether you should go to the doctor or not. You don't need somebody else to do that for you. One of the things that I want to make sure you understand this morning is this, that God doesn't need you to find somebody else to talk to you. He wants to talk to you himself. Now there are people, there are people in the Bible that God gave special powers, special gifting to be able to prophesy about things that were to come. When I read through the scriptures, what I understand is that these people were gifted by God to speak for God in order to encourage and strengthen the faith of God's people. Notice Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. For those people that want to say, well, that was Old Testament. No, they said, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. That didn't start until Matthew. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. 
Their responsibility, who? These five offices, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. In other words, the work of a prophet is to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ. And then he says, this will continue, talking about these offices, prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors, and uh, evangelists, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. You understand what that means? It means that God has these offices in our church until all of Lake Erie, all of God's people are united in faith and knowledge. Well, we're not there yet, but we're on our way. And these offices, these ministries are designed to help us do that. Don't miss the point that the purpose of the prophet is to proclaim God's truth to the people. And to strengthen their faith. So if you're like me, you probably have had experiences with people in the Pentecostal expressions who would come to you and say, I've got a word for you or the Lord told me to tell you something or I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. And it can be a little unsettling, can it not? You know? Somebody walks up to you and says, hey, I got something the Lord told me to tell you. And you're like, okay. And, and I've, I've learned over the years, I've had it happen in a variety of different settings, some that were comfortable, some that were not comfortable. And yet, I also know that there have been people who have wanted to glorify themselves. They want to elevate themselves. And so they're trying to project themselves in a way that doesn't glorify God. Let me just say this, that any gift that God gives you is not to glorify you. It is to glorify God. And so you find somebody who wants you to pay them to give you part of their gift. Anybody following me here? You send me $29, I'm going to send... No, that, that, that's not the way the gifts work. They're not to be marketed. They're not to be uh, uh, promoted for the, self, for the individual self. So how do you know if God is speaking through somebody like that? And I, I just want to take a moment here and do this because I think sometimes we need the clarity of this to know how to know what to respond. Because I, I, I've just been around a lot and I've seen a lot of things, good and bad. So I'm going to give you five very simple steps. If you... There should be a place there in your notes for you to follow this. And if there is not, write these down. Here's the first thing I always say. If someone speaks to you and tells you they have a word or something from the Lord, the first thing that you want to ask yourself is this. Is there clear direction or is this confusing to me? Because if it is in fact a word from the Lord, it is not designed to confuse you. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So one time in the church that I was in with my father, there was a man preaching that day. And uh, when he got through preaching, my dad said, is there anything anybody needs to say? Which was a terrible thing to open the door, but he did. And this man got up and he said, 
The Lord says the man behind the pulpit who has white hair. Well, there's only one guy. Pretty easy. Is supposed to write a check and pay off our church. And the man said, well, that would be wonderful. I don't have the money to pay off the church. I don't even have the access to that kind of money. See, that was not a word from the Lord. You know why? Because it created confusion. You can always tell if a word is a word from the Lord because it's not going to be, it's not going to blow you up. It's not going to cause you to be crazy. It's not going to be something that's going to give you unclear directions. Number two, is it something that God has already been saying to you? This is my, this is my go-to right here. This is where I start all the time. If somebody walks up to me and says, Brother Isaac, I've got a word from the Lord for you. I, I'm always willing to receive it. But my litmus test is this something that God has already told me. Because I don't think God's talking to you, to anybody in this world, about you until He talks to you first. God's not running around the world talking to, to people about you. He's talking to you. Now, if you're not listening, he may send somebody to talk to you. But you can be sure God has already been talking to you many times. It's a word, it's a strengthening word, it's an encouraging word. Because when they speak it to you, you go, oh yes, that's what God's been saying to me. But I was just a little unsure. And God sends that to confirm what he has already been saying to you. And if it's not something God's already been saying to you, I wouldn't just discount it, but I would just put it on the shelf and wait and see if it aligns with something God's already said to you. Number three, does it align with God's Word? God's not going to say anything through any person that doesn't align up with His Word. God's not going to be in opposition to His own Word. This is His Word right here. Whatever he tells you will line up with God's word. And so I always say, well, let's search the scriptures. Let's figure out. Let's try to understand exactly what this is. Number four is, have you been praying about what you're being told? Have you been praying about what you're being told? Maybe you've been praying about something. And, and the Lord will send somebody into your life, somebody that you will trust, somebody that you will believe to confirm that what you are praying about is being told. And then number five, and this is so important here, is what being told to you, does it lead you closer to Jesus? Or does it lead you to a decision or an act that is going to take you further away from Jesus. Because I promise you, and I'm not trying to be coy, God's not telling you to go off with your buddies and get drunk. God's not telling you to leave your wife. God's not telling you to be frivolous with your money. He's not doing that. He's not telling you stuff that's going to lead you away. He's going to tell you stuff that's going to bring you closer. God speaks to us prophetically. Not all the time. Not all the time. But there are those occasions. And can I just add this before I wrap this up this morning. God has not stopped speaking prophetically. One of, one of the favorite passages of Scripture in my heart, and one that I have studied extensively, I still don't really have all that I think there is to mine out of that, but is in Acts chapter 20. 
uh, Paul is at the, on the island of Miletus. He's talking to the elders at Ephesus and he's explaining to them that he's not going to see them anymore, that his time is, is coming to an end. And he says to them, he says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city saying chains and afflictions await me. What, what was that about? Paul says, everywhere I'm going, the Holy Spirit is reminding me that I'm headed for chains. I want to say compassionately to some of you, God wants to prepare you for what's ahead. He doesn't want you to be caught off guard. He wants you to be prepared. God's not letting you run into traps. He's not letting you run into calamity. And if you will listen to God, if you will be sensitive to God, there will be times when God will prepare you for what's about to take place. Many years ago in my first church, during a revival meeting, the evangelist said to me, he said, who is the woman on the front seat? I said, said, that's Stella. He said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for her. I said, okay, let's go pray for her. So we went down and I said, Stella, the evangelist wants to pray for you. She was very compliant, okay. So we began to pray for Stella. The Holy Spirit fell on Stella while she was sitting there in that sea. There was a manifestation of God's presence in that prayer that day. Through the night, four in the morning, my phone rings. I pick it up and I hear Stella screaming through the voice, Oh my God, Pastor, get over here as quick as you can. Richard's dead. She had rolled over in the night husband did not respond and when she turned on the lights Richard had died in the night when I got to the house and we were there and we were waiting for the authorities she said to me with tears she said the Lord knew this didn't he that's why the preacher wanted to pray for me I said yes that's exactly why I didn't know it at the time but I know it now God was preparing her for what was about to take place God wanted to give her a peace, a sense of peace that he was with her, that he was there, that he understood and he knew where she was. God wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to listen to what he is saying. Here's the third and final one. God speaks to us through the life of Jesus. God speaks to us through the life of Jesus. Now for just a moment, I want to walk you through There were three accounts in the Bible where people met Jesus and they did not recognize who he was. The first time is when Mary Magdalene is at the grave, at the tomb. She thinks Jesus is a gardener until he called her name. The second time was when Peter and the disciples in John 21 are fishing after the resurrection and they look up and on the shore is a man cooking fish, but they don't know who it is. And the third time, two men are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a seven-mile walk. They are walking home after the resurrection, and they are talking among themselves about what had happened, the events that had happened in Jerusalem over the weekend. And all of a sudden, a third man walks up and begins to walk with them and walks with them all the way to their town. And they're discussing and talking. 
and they did not know that it was Jesus. Until later that evening as they were breaking bread and their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus that was talking to them. It's in Luke 24. As I unpacked that in my own study, I thought about how this is such a model for how Jesus talks to us. And I'll give it to you really quickly. But all five of them are right there in that story. They're walking along the road talking and Jesus happens on them and walks along with them. There was no fanfare. There was no hoobla. He's just walking with them and they're just talking. He's inquiring, what are y'all talking about? I'm talking about, where have you been? You had to know what's going on. They crucified Jesus. Now the word's out that he's been risen and they can't find his body and he's talking to them. The fact that God has conversations with you and me. Conversations. You and I have the opportunity today to have a conversation with Jesus. If we listen, he wants to talk to us. got this problem the Lord I, I, I can't I, I don't I can't get on the right page with my kids I don't I don't know how to, I, I'm trying I'm really trying but but they don't I, it's not working you can have a conversation with Jesus about your family you could have a conversation about your financial needs about your health I remember when my first wife was undergoing a very important test and I was sitting in the radiology wing of the hospital. It was late. There was nobody there. The lights were out. I was just sitting there in the dark by myself and I said to Jesus, I said, please help us. I I don't know what we're going to do. God, please, when the test results come back, please give us a good report. We've had so many bad reports and I need you to help me. And I just had this incredible peace. that The anxiety of that moment just, it just melted away. And it was like I felt the presence of God as if to say, I already know the results of the test. I got you. And there was something about that that was so peaceful in my heart. It was a conversation that I had with the Lord in a crisis moment. And He invites you to do that. Second of all, He He broke the scripture with them. The word here is exegetical. He broke the scripture with them. As I've already said, and I won't take time, but when you open up the Bible, God is speaking to you right out of the word. When Jesus started saying to these men, have you not read the scriptures? Here's what the scripture said about the Messiah. You want answers to what's going on in Jerusalem? Read the book, he said. It's right there in the scriptures. Thirdly, when he went to the house with them, he broke bread. Sacramentally, he communicated with them. We did this last Sunday. We do this on the first Sunday of every month. We take the cup, we take the bread, and we communicate. He communicates with us by giving His body and His blood for us, and we in turn communicate with Him because we acknowledge and worship in gratitude the fact that He was willing to die for us. And in that celebration, we are communicating with God. Prophetically, we've already talked about this. He opens up our eyes to the things that are happening. Jesus began to tell them, this is the way it's going to play out. This is how things are going to go. 
And then finally and fifthly is the inward. To communicate with the Lord. He communicates with us inwardly. That's some of you probably, many of you can probably say that. God's presence. Remember a few weeks ago when Miss Erica came and got the microphone and asked if she could speak and she talked about the struggles she had gone through and she talked about while we were singing back there, she was reminded, firm foundation. That's God speaking to her, taking that song, speaking into her life, that inward communication that God gives us from something that's happening around us in that regard. Here's the point. The purpose of hearing God should bring us closer to Jesus. It shouldn't take us farther from Jesus. It should take us closer. Pastor Jerome, come on and get ready to play. Let me, let me offer this to you. If you want to know more about this, there's a great story in 1 Samuel. A young girl who was not able to have children said to God, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And God gave her a son. She named that son Samuel. And when he was old enough, she took him back to the temple and she gave him there so that he could serve in the temple. There was a priest there by the name of Eli. And so as he's there in the temple that night, the Bible said that God called Samuel's name. Now, if I've done my math correctly, he's 11 years old. Have I got an 11-year-old in the room? Anybody here that's 11? Any 11-year-olds? I saw Susan Atkins get up. I know she's not 11. All right. So imagine an 11-year-old boy, your 11-year-old son, your 11-year-old grandson, laying on the bed at night, and God says, Samuel, Samuel. Well, the only person that ever called his voice before was Eli, and so he got up and he went to Eli and he, he said, what do you want? Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lay down. So he goes back and lays down again. And when he lays down the second time, Samuel, Samuel. This happened three times. On the third time, the Bible says that Samuel, Eli discerned that it was God that was talking. And so when he came back the next time, he said, son, the next time you hear that voice, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And when he did, God began to speak to Samuel, and he foretold to Samuel the events that were going to take place in which Eli and his two sons were going to die. Why would God give that message to an 11-year-old kid. That, that still blows my mind. How old is Mateo? How? Ten. Can you imagine God giving Mateo a word from the Lord that would be so devastating as to say, the pastor and his children are going to be killed? You'd go, buddy, are you sure? That's what God did. I thought about this a little bit. Paul and Noel Passerelle have a daughter, and I always struggle with these kids' names. Ellie. The child I'm talking about today is Ellie. She's six. 
few days ago, she came down from her bedroom and she said to her mommy, she said, I think Jesus is singing to me. I think Jesus is singing to me, mommy. Now, I think it's altogether possible. Children seem to be more open, don't they? What's wrong with us? I think the pressures and stresses and experiences of life have made us hard. We've been through so much. We've suffered so much. We've gone through so much that we don't necessarily believe anymore that God wants to speak. Somebody wrote to me the other day and said, I got a problem with something that you said. I'm not, I'm not being ugly about it, but if God is who you say he is, how come he's not healing the sick people in our church? It's a great question. One for which I have absolutely no answer. But it's something we can talk to God about. It's something that we can talk to God about. Because he wants to communicate with all of us. So let me finish this message by doing this right here. You say, because this has been different. And I hope I haven't confused anybody. If I have, Pastor Dustin will straighten it all out. He'll clean it all up. Just find him. So the other night I was sitting at my desk thinking about what you might be thinking as you went out of the building. And here's what I'm assuming that you're asking right now, some of you. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with all this now, Pastor? I mean, I, I, I know you're probably right about everything that you're saying, but what am I supposed to do with this? And I thought about these things. Number one, I would just want you to listen for the whisper of God in your spirit. Right now. It'd be an appropriate thing for you to say to God, like young Samuel did, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Listen for the whisper of the Lord in your spirit. Now, God may do something dramatic and powerful and overwhelming, but most of the time, He's just going to whisper. He's going to nudge you. You're going to know what you need to do. You're going to know what you're supposed to say. It's going to nudge you. Number two, when you leave here today, pick up your Bible. The next time you pick up your Bible, say this prayer. God, talk to me. Write out of what I read today. Whatever it is I'm reading, just talk to me. I want to hear. And thirdly, Pray the prayer that you can discern God's voice or distinguish God's voice among all the racket and the noise. Because there's so much going on in America. So much going on in the world and it's so easy to get distracted. In fact, I, I was driving this morning and I was talking to God and I was asking God, speak to our church today. Speak to us. And I said, Lord, bring all of our concentration." a listening space 
Because it's so easy to get distracted by all the stuff and not hear God's voice. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.